Friends, several months ago, we started a long sermon series called This Is My Story. Uh, We're taking time to look at the entire Bible, uh, not just as a bunch of random stories and sayings and teachings and laws, but as one story, one long story of God's love for the world and God's plan to save the world. Over the last months, we've looked at uh, familiar Old Testament stories and maybe some unfamiliar ones, some some characters that, that you'd heard of, maybe some that you hadn't heard. And we tried to connect them together, show how one has led to another, all accomplishing God's plans and purposes. In, in recent weeks, our focus shifted a little bit. We, we began to see how there was a growing hope toward the end of the Old Testament that God was going to send a Savior, or the word we might use is Messiah. Of course, we celebrated the Messiah's birth at Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ. And really, from now on, through Lent, through Holy Week, through Easter, through Pentecost, our focus now is on the person of Jesus. And I'm sure that's not a surprise to you. You know the importance of Jesus. I mean, we're Christians. That means we're Christ followers. He, he is the central person in our faith, and we'll talk more about why that is. You know, there's people out there in the world who don't necessarily uh, believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, but yet there's tremendous respect for him. Many respect him as a great teacher. Uh, uh, they respect his life and, and the example that he set. Even some have said he's the most famous, the most influential, the most historically significant person to have ever lived. In the coming weeks, we're going to take a close examination of his life. And it all begins, uh, at least in terms of his ministry and his public life, it all begins in his baptism in the River Jordan. Now, several weeks ago, I told you my favorite character in the Bible, besides Jesus, is John the Baptist. John was Jesus's cousin, And John, from infancy, had been dedicated to live a particular kind of of holy life. At some point, he went to live a holy holy life, a a pious life, a a pure life out in the Judean wilderness. People began to hear about him, and they came to hear him preach. He preached a message of repentance, change. And then he started baptizing people, and people came to be baptized in the River Jordan. Well, one day, a person that was in the crowd was his cousin, Jesus. And he looks up, and and the next person to come be baptized in the river was Jesus. John objected. He said, I I can't baptize you. John John knew he was there to prepare the way for Jesus, but that Jesus was greater. He said, you, Jesus, should be baptizing me. But but Jesus said in Matthew 3.15, John. Allow me to be baptized now. This is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. This is necessary. You baptizing me is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. Now, I'm going to admit to you, that's one of the most confusing theological statements in the Gospels. Uh, And there are a few. Jesus said a lot of things that people kind of scratch their heads about. But but what does it mean? Why, why did Jesus need to be baptized? And what does it mean to say that, that his being baptized by John was to fulfill all righteousness? Well, probably the first place we need to start was the meaning of, of baptism. And, 
And you may not realize that the baptism that John performed is a bit different than the baptisms we perform in, in the Christian church today. Christian baptism is our initiation into the Christian covenant. It's how we become part of the body of Christ. It's how we become members of the church. We do believe there's something spiritual going on, that baptism signifies a love that is already present from God for the person, child, infant being baptized. We do believe there's a grace there that washes away sin, but also a grace that leads us into a deeper understanding of knowing God. We believe that there is a spiritual rebirth that happens in Christian baptism, even for infants, that, that is lived out as we grow in our relationship with God through the years. Now, John's baptism was different because that was a different time. That wasn't a Christian baptism. It was a baptism for Jews who were already, through circumcision and dedication, part of the Jewish covenant. In Matthew 3.11, John said, I baptize with water those of you who have changed your hearts and lives. You see, he was speaking to Jews who maybe had not been living the covenant. They, they had been living perhaps more sinful lives, but they recognized that they needed to be in covenant relationship with God. And so the baptism was symbolic of a change that had already occurred. It was a washing clean so that now you can live in relationship, covenant relationship with God. So, so John's baptism was really a washing away so that you could now be part of a covenant that you already were in. Whereas Christian baptism is really a participation in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The old self dies and a new spiritual person is born. Remember he said, I make all things new. That's what baptism is. It's about making all things new. Uh, John talked about the baptism that Jesus would offer. He said, I baptize with water those of you who have changed your hearts and lives. The one who is coming after me, Jesus, is stronger than I am. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize with Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus, remember one time, was talking to the, the Pharisee Nicodemus at night. He said, you have to be born again to be part of the kingdom. John 3, 5, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, it's not possible to enter into God's kingdom. See, John said, he will baptize with fire, that's the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you must, be, you must be born of water, baptism, and Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. John's was about ritual cleansing so that you could be part of the covenant you were already in. Jesus was about rebirth by the Spirit. Now, the question would be, would be why, why would Jesus need that? Why would Jesus need John's baptism? And why would Jesus choose baptism as the first act of his public ministry? Well, we know in, in Matthew 3, 16 through 17, that, that as Jesus was baptized, something incredible happened. It says, when Jesus was baptized, he immediately came up out of the water. Heaven was open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God coming down like a dove and resting on him. A voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I dearly love. I find happiness in him. So 
a dove descends like the Holy Spirit, a voice from heaven, this is my son, I'm pleased with him. I, I wonder, do you think John, or Jesus rather, knew that that was going to happen? That he would receive the Holy Spirit in his baptism? That he would receive this, this affirmation, this, this confirmation from heaven? Was the purpose of his baptism this moment of sort of anointing him for the work he was about to do? Did, did he need baptism to get his ministry started? Is that what it means to fulfill all righteousness? Well, maybe. I mean, we know the importance of the Spirit in, in Jesus' life. And yet, didn't he already have the Spirit? I mean, he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. As the second person in the Trinity, he was already one with the Father and one with the Spirit. He already knew his calling. So maybe it wasn't entirely for him. Maybe it was for others to, to know who he was. Maybe there was something else going on still. Maybe another way to think about this question of why Jesus needed to be baptized and what it meant for him to fulfill all righteousness is to think about the, the source from, of the story. Uh, all of the Gospels tell the story of Jesus' baptism, but only the Gospel of Matthew says this phrase, that this must be done to fulfill all righteousness. Now, all of the Gospels have unique and different purposes. They all tell the, the story of Jesus, but they have a different slant. They have different emphasis, different angle. Matthew is the most Jewish of the Gospels. It seems that Matthew's uh, agenda was to help Jews understand that Jesus was the promised Jewish Messiah. So there's lots of Jewish references. So maybe to fulfill all righteousness, maybe that phrase has a, a uniquely Jewish meaning and flavor. The word righteous or righteousness appears hundreds of times in the Jewish scripture, which is, of course, our Old Testament. Sometimes it refers to people, people who are righteous, who have done righteous things. Mostly it's a reference to God, as God as being the one who is truly righteous. The Hebrew word for, for righteous means something similar to, to justice or fairness. It's, it's lawful. It's, it's right. It's, it's uh, faithful. It's without error or flaw. It is correct. So something is the, the righteous thing to do. It's the just, fair, lawful thing to do. If a person or God is righteous, it means there's no error in them, that their actions are ethical, uh, there's integrity, they're moral, that, that they do the right thing that an action is the right thing if it's a, a righteous action. So, so maybe what, what Jesus is saying is that this baptism, John, you baptizing me will fulfill all righteousness. It, it's the correct thing to do. It's just. It's fair. It, it accomplishes something that is needed and necessary. It points to something larger, a, a, a bigger purpose than, than, than what might normally be expected. John was right. Jesus didn't need to be washed clean. We believe Jesus lived a sinless life. He, he didn't need to be made right in the covenant. He already was part of the covenant. 
there was a bigger purpose. Jesus saw a bigger purpose, that somehow his baptism fulfilled all righteousness. But there's still something missing. And this, I think, is, is incredibly important, but it's so easy for us in our modern context to misunderstand and overlook. In ancient Judaism, in, in the days of Jesus and the Old Testament, there was a very different cultural mindset than we have in modern America. In modern America, we think about independence. We think about individualism. Our culture and our laws all support the idea that we have individual rights, individual freedoms, individual responsibilities, individual uh, expression, individual self-determination. I mean, uh, the, think about how we respect the self-made person, the, the, the American ideal of the rugged, rugged individual. Well, that could not be more foreign in Jewish culture. I mean, even, even our Declaration of Independence says, all men, I really think it means all individual men, all individuals are created equal. They're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable, and unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That means I get to have those things, and you get to have those things. Ancient Jews didn't think that way. They didn't think individually. They didn't think independently. They thought collectively. They were part of a, of a group. They were part of a, of a tribe. They were part of a collective, individual uh, preferences and desires and personality was pretty insignificant. It was about group culture. It was about tribal distinctive. It was about ethnic, uh, ethnic identity as a Jew. And there were lots of things to help form that in the life of a Jew. There were strict religious laws and the expectation of adherence. There were customs that were practiced, traditions that encouraged uniformity and conformity and take it even a step further it was understood that what happened to the people happened to me that i am israel and so when something happens to israel that it happens to me but it was also vice versa that when i did something to offend god i brought shame to my people when i did something that offended Others, it brought shame to my family, to my village, to my tribe, to my community. They had a more corporate, communal mindset. And by the way, throughout the history of the world, and even today, most places, most people have lived that way. The American ideal of individualism is, is kind of a unique and different thing, and often out of sync with what the scriptures teach us. Now, if, let's say I was a Jew in Jesus' day, and if I understood that I was part of the, the collective, the tribe, that I was being shaped to be one of the many, well, all of that was even more true for Jesus, because Jesus came with a particular uh, assignment, a particular mission. As the Messiah, he was the representative of what the perfect Jew was supposed to be. Here is what it looks like to live in perfect covenant with God. But let's take it a step further. 
Uh, the Jews were God's chosen people as a light to all the nations. And so Jesus represents not just what the perfect Jew looks like, but what it means to be the perfect human. This is the life. This is the way of living that God always intended. In a sense, his words, his, his actions, his lifestyle, his commitment to God, his, his sacrificial love demonstrate for us what it means to be in perfect covenant with God and to be the perfect image and likeness of God. But there's even more. It, it isn't just that Jesus is a good example for us. It's not just that he's a representative for us. In a sense, in, in Jewish thinking, he is us. And we are him. His actions are, are ours. His life is ours. That he embodied all of humanity. That when he did something, he did it representatively for all of us. When he said something, he was speaking on behalf of all of us and to us. What he did, he did for us, in our place, for us, as us. I, I think that's what it means when Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. Or, or modern translations say more accurately, the human one. Because he's, he's not just another person. He's not just an extraordinary other person. He is a representative person. He is acting and living on behalf of all of us. Jesus didn't personally need, uh, individually need, independently need to be baptized but it fulfilled all righteousness. He didn't need to be baptized, but Israel did. It needed to be washed clean so it could be God's covenant people. Humanity needed to be baptized so we could all be God's covenant people, washed clean so that we could now be in God's kingdom. In a sense, he is us. His actions are ours. His life is ours. By representing all of us, Jesus did the righteous thing by being baptized on behalf of us, for us, as us. I mean, this is a deeply spiritual concept. Baptism didn't make Jesus clean, it makes us clean. Jesus didn't need to receive the Holy Spirit at his baptism. Humanity needed to receive the Holy Spirit. And by the way, this isn't just limited to his baptism. This is, this is what his whole life was about. In a sense, he alone, right, is the incarnate son of God, meaning fully God, fully human. But he shows us what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God, who, who breathed into us his spirit, the breath of life, right? He, he shows us what that's like. Uh, his baptism, of course, is is our cleansing. His receiving of the Holy Spirit is us receiving the Holy Spirit. When he loves, he shows us what it means to be people who love sacrificially. When he serves, you remember that night he, he knelt at his disciples' feet and washed their feet. And he said, I'm doing this as an example for you. We say that when he died on the cross, that he was bearing, carrying the sins of the whole world, including yours and mine. And that when he defeated death, when he rose from the grave, that he defeated death not just for him, but for all of us. He conquered it for all of us. You see, all of us he did 
in our place for us as us. Everything Jesus said and did as the Son of Man were said and done as us. Both demonstrating who we can be and actually doing it for us in our place. Uh, there's a theologian by the name of Jürgen Moltmann who says, Jesus was not baptized into the Spirit as a private person, but representatively, as one among many and as one for many. He received the Spirit for the sick whom he healed, for the sinners whose sins he forgave, for the poor whose fellowship he sought, for the women and men whom he called into his discipleship. He received the Spirit as the brother of men and women, as the friend of the poor, as the head of his gathered people, and as the Messiah of God's new creation. He said to John, I have to be baptized. You have to baptize me to fulfill all righteousness. It was the right thing to do because he was acting on behalf of all of us, as us. He didn't need baptism. We, humanity, needed to be baptized, to be made right, so that we could be recipients of the Holy Spirit, the new life that he came to offer. So here's a thought. Undeniably, Jesus was the only one who could fulfill all righteousness. I mean, no one else has been the incarnate Son of God, right? Only he could accomplish that. Only he was the Messiah, is the Messiah. But could it be that Jesus' life and ministry, if we think of it in this kind of holistic, communal way, this way that he, he not only did it for us, but he represented us when he did it, could it be that Jesus' life and ministry as us, for us, makes it possible for us also to live more righteous lives? Behind me, you see images of, of Jesus. It's so easy just to set him on a shelf, you know, just to make him this, you know, this representative. Isn't that nice? Isn't it good that somebody could be like that, right? He's my hero. But what if his vicarious humanity, his representative humanity, the actions that he did as us, for us, make it possible for us not just to, to admire him, not just to respect him, not just to, to kind of look up to him, as, you know, this famous man, great man, but to be like him. What, what if his, his uh, fulfilling all righteousness made it possible for us to live as Jesus lived? To be more than, 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 than we are? What if he made it possible for us to be the people that God created us to be? What if the point of Jesus' baptism, his life, his death, his resurrection was more than just simply for us to admire him, but to be like him? What if it's possible? I mean, what, what if you and I dedicated our lives and everything we did, our work, our relationships, our church life, our home life, our life in society, the way we consume our ethics, our morals, what if, like Jesus, we did it with the lens of, to fulfill all righteousness? That this is in harmony with who God made me to be. This is as Jesus would call me to be and to do. 
And so Jesus began his ministry. He went down, he got in the water. And he told John, I need you to baptize me to fulfill all righteousness. 